Christmas. It starts with a little boy. I just want the Christmas spirit back in my family. A little wish. I have an emergency that needs some personal attention. And a little help. I'm Christine. She's here for the nanny position. To remind us of the magic of Christmas. Thank you so much. <laughs> Eva LaRue in one of the 12 new movies of Christmas. Help for the holidays. Part of Countdown to Christmas. Only on Hallmark Channel. The heart of TV. Season's greetings, everybody. It is the Yule time of the world, which means one thing here at the Feminine Critique, and that means it is time for stocking stuffers. Now, those of you who've been with the show for the last few years know what this means and are either doing a dance of joy or a eye roll of... God, Emily has problems. Uh, for those who are new to the podcast, welcome. Now, for the timing of December, November, uh, we do something a little different here, which is, again, we've dubbed them stocking stuffers. Basically, instead of watching and discussing real movies with the, you know, all of the smarts and film education that Christine and I bring to podcasting, uh, instead, for this time of year, I do these sort of mini episodes on um, the what I what I call the cozy cardigan Christmas genre that has been really coined by heart by Hallmark. Uh, but you also have movies on Lifetime, movies on Ion, movies on the Wii Network. Uh, the ABC Family used to do them; they seem to have backed off, maybe because Hallmark has such a monopoly on this area of filmmaking at the time. If you can call these films, I call them films. Maybe they're not films. For those who don't know, who don't have cable, or who try to avoid this kind of thing because you're smart, um, come the holiday season, if you will, these networks put out a lot of these movies that are made very cheaply, often in Canada, uh, casting C, uh, B minus to D list actors in these extremely innocent, on the surface, stories typically about. Um, young pretty career women who maybe are working too hard and haven't taken the time to appreciate the season of Christmas which really just means settling down marrying a man and having kids there's variations of course sometimes uh you know the young pretty actress instead is teaching others about the spirit of Christmas and how good it is to fall in love and get married and have kids again variations but as we know here at the feminine critique there is a very strict formula to these movies that involves typically 10 key items that every film has to follow a couple of bonuses that help really make the film identifiable with this subgenre so uh this is what we're going to do for a lot of December. I'm going to be putting these episodes out. Christine might join me here and there when she can stomach them. I I have a really strong stomach for terrible things. I can't really defend it. And I understand if those of you out there just say, but wait, guys, why aren't you talking about Brian De Palma? Why are you talking about Hallmark Channel? You know, we just like to keep you on your toes. And so expect these to come out. Now, let me uh, talk about the first film we're going to be covering. And again, each episode is going to cover one film. I am trying to spread the love and not just rely on Hallmark. Guys, it's hard. Hallmark has made over 30 films for this Christmas season. They have made more movies than you could air if you were doing like one a day for the Christmas season. It's insane. You couldn't start in December and finish before Christmas. They just shoot them out. Yeah. 
Uh, but we're going to go back a couple of years before they had, I mean, at this point they, they knew the formula, but before it was quite what it is today. So the feature we're going to discuss on this premiere episode, season premiere, if you will, uh, this is a movie called Help for the Holidays, 2012. So now going back five years, but again, you you wouldn't even know. it. They all feel, by this point, Hallmark knew what it was doing. Um, so again, I, I really hope I can pull up a movie from like 2009 or so, because sometimes they have variations, but this is, is pretty standard stuff. Directed by Bradford May, who did a whole lot of TV. The thing that Feminine Critique listeners might know him from is that he directed Darkman 2 and Darkman 3. Neither of which I've seen. I've heard mixed things. But uh, eventually, what does directing sequels to a Sam Raimi horror film get you? It gets you a gig directing a movie about an elf who saves Christmas for a wealthy white family. Which is often the key ingredient in any stocking stuffer film. Uh, I'm going to get into what makes these movies what it is, but let me just give you a, a quick synopsis of help for the holidays. So we open in the North Pole, and our main character is an elf named Christine Blitzen. <laughs> anyway, Christine is played by Summer Glau, uh, who... Serenity and Firefly fans will recognize from that show. She was also on a very good episode of Angel, Waiting in the Wings. Um, she's very, well, this is true of every actress that was in these movies. She's very pretty, uh, pretty wildly miscast in this movie. This is a part that kind of calls for a perky elf. And, you know, if you're going by like Joss Whedon stars, uh, you know, that kind of casting pool like Amy Acker would have made sense in this movie and she's done some of these movies and they're all terrible but this one like would have worked with her with Summer Glout doesn't really work but I'm getting ahead of myself Christine the elf um is starting to wonder if there's more in life than just making toys for children is there more she asks her elf friend and Santa who apparently is omniscient and uh can hear everything that everybody is thinking which is disturbing because it makes you think that he's just recording his you know underlings and their conversations which i think violates some kind of boss uh worker protocol but anyway um you know he i guess it guess gets the sense that christine needs to explore the world more so uh santa receives a letter from a child which he probably gets millions of because most kids who believe in Santa write letters to Santa Claus and he decides this letter requires some personal intervention. Uh, This is a letter from a young boy named Will who is eight years old and Will has a problem and his problem is his parents who own and operate a very successful Christmas store do not have the spirit of Christmas. They are too busy working and they just don't care about the holidays or about their kids, apparently. He has an older sister uh, named Allie who is a little more bitter about the whole thing, but he really has faith and believes that Santa's going to help him. Now, apparently, um, of all the problems in the world, of all the kids writing letters to Santa, presumably a kid's asking, like, hey, can you bring my dad home from the war overseas? I'm worried he's not going to make it. Or, I don't know, hey, can you help my family? Because I think the government's going to take our house because we can't afford it. I would think he's getting letters like this, but no. The one that causes him to stop everything and enlist Christine for help, uh, not our podcasting partner, Christine, Christine the Elf, not to be confused, 
No, it's the one about the spoiled kid in California who's like, parents don't give him enough attention. This is a theme that we will see in a lot of these stocking stuffer movies, so get used to them. So Christine is in, uh, dispatched to Earth, to, Cal- to I guess California. They don't really say where they are, but everybody is wearing tank tops and it's December. So I'm guessing it's somewhere around that area. Uh, she is to work as the kid's nanny. Nobody knows she's an elf. Like the rule is you can't tell anybody you're an elf. That's very important. Um, and they even like do a morphing thing that I'm sure there's like some kind of body positive positivity people are probably like would have a problem with because it's like oh no we're gonna get rid of your elf ears while you're on earth because that would be weird so she goes to earth she's their nanny um bonds with the kids pretty quickly and like you know is trying and the goal isn't to help the kids the goal is to help the parents reinvigorate their own christmas spirit and be better parents Uh, Along the way, she is introduced to their uncle, who happens to be handsome and available. So, of course, there's um, chemistry there. Uh, The kids' parents, uh, especially their mother, is kind of annoyed by this whole situation. It seems like everything's going to fall apart. Oh, my God, if these two rich white people don't find the, you know, spirit of Christmas, the whole world is doomed. No, there's nothing. Like, the stakes are really low. It's just she's failed at her job and like I guess won't get a raise or something um but guess what spoiler alert they find the Christmas spirit elf Christine decides to stay human forever and that is help for the holidays not so this one uh, you know doesn't dip into the corporate world quite as much uh but it still makes some judgments about you know women in the workplace and so that's the story behind Help for the Holidays. Uh, more importantly, we don't really care about the plot because the plot's always stupid and is always pretty easy to figure out where it's going. We care about the details and how the movie follows the 10 requirements we expect or need out of these movies. So the first thing uh, that we find in cozy cardigan Christmas movies is the lead in need of a lesson. Uh, And this is typically, for those who don't know, most often a C-list former TV actress who is playing an ambitious uh, career woman. A bit of a twist here. Um, Our lead doesn't really need to learn anything because she's an elf and she's perfect, apparently, and that's Christine. And yes, she is a, I'd say, a C-list actress of former television minor fame. Uh, The people that need to learn lessons, however, are the parents. And the parents, I really should just say the mother. They're a couple. They're married. The dad registers in no way whatsoever. And really all of the aggression and um, education, if you will, is aimed at the mother, played by Eva LaRue, who you would recognize. She's been, I think she was on All My Children for a while and did a whole lot of TV, thus fitting the uh, typical casting of a cozy cardigan Christmas now the next thing um I I am a little I wish I kind of wish I hadn't started with this movie because it doesn't quite nail all the things I love in ridiculousness about this genre so our setting most of the time is an evil city a charmingly quaint small town that is better than the evil city in the world of these movies, or a magical winter wonderland. So this one, we get a touch of the magical winter wonderland, because, I mean, we're in the North Pole for a few scenes. The North Pole, uh, I mean, we're indoors the entire time, so it really just looks like a factory. It's not that exciting. Um, And then it just moves to very bland suburbia, which is like my least favorite setting for these movies uh there is a whole like 
that's the Christmas square where everything Christmas happens. But overall, they, they don't do much. There's a, I'm just saying, there's no cafe where the diner owner knows everybody and makes the best coffee, which is disappointing because that's what I really expect out of these movies. So again, kind of two strikes off the bat a bit. Now, number three is our bland love interest who usually specializes in manual labor. Um, we know we get bonus points if he's a widowed dad. We, we don't have any widowing in this movie, but we do have a bland, handsome love interest who does manual labor, and that is David. Uh, I don't even know the actor's name. He's cute. He's fine. Um, doesn't get much to do, but he's a little better than a lot of the other guys who get in these movies. And he owns a greenhouse a nursery I guess so again you know he's all about cutting down trees and doing that manual labor that women who watch Hallmark apparently love so much uh the number four is the montage it is extremely disappointing when we don't have montages in these movies and don't worry guys we get a very Christmas montage of a making ornaments montage and it's as great as you'd expect. It's kids making ornaments. And what more do you want out of a montage in a Christmas movie? Number five, again, disappointing, wrong choice to start with. Um, number five is kind of my favorite trope to find in these movies. And that is dead parents. Uh, so often we have either dead parents or a dead wife, right? We never have a dead husband, but we often have a dead wife. We don't in this case. No dead parents. I'm really sorry to break it to you again not necessarily the prime example of a stocking stuffer here but the rest of them are going to be pretty good i promise you number six is our sassy sidekick um typically the friend or sister or co-worker of the lead character she usually wears big dangly earrings sometimes again this is usually the only place where you're going to find a black character in the movie uh, in this case we have a i don't even know i think her name was like gladys or something we have an, el an elf um gabby gabby she's um and the rule of course the most important rule of the sassy sidekick is that she can't be more attractive than the lead actress it's very important you can't ever tease the audience and make them think oh maybe the movie should have been about that character no 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 you, you can't do it the exception to that rule is if the sassy sidekick is of color is not white often they are more attractive and I think it's like some kind of casting rule where they look at it and say oh that's okay because our audience wouldn't want a movie about that kind of person I'm I'm saying this as like the programming I'm not saying this is what I want uh, but again you're gonna see the overarching um, sentiment of these movies is whiteness. So we do have a white elf sassy sidekick. Uh, number seven. Oh, and she has really bad bangs, like bangs that nobody should have. This poor, probably very pretty young actress had to wear what I assume is like a not even a wig, but just like a comb with gigantic bangs attached to it. Not a flattering look for anyone. Number seven is our evil woman character. We often have this evil female. Sometimes she is a rival for romantic affections. Sometimes she is a boss. Sometimes she is our lead. Uh, in this case, it is the mother. It is um, the character's name is Sarah, played by Eva LaRue, as I mentioned earlier. And she you know, uh, has worked hard and built this empire with her husband. They started hand-making ornaments, and this turned into this really super successful store uh, in California. I guess you can, that that's a big thing, is a Christmas store. 
And she really uh, puts all of her energy and all of her time in the store. Um, her husband just kind of, I guess, goes along with all of it. So she misses her kids' basketball game. She doesn't support her daughter's, like, dancing dreams. Uh, and she's also just kind of a cunt. Like, she's very defensive, understandably, because here this nanny comes in and is pretty much judging her mercilessly for not spending time with her kids. Hello, you're a nanny. You wouldn't have a job if this woman spent time with her kids. But that's besides the point. Um, but so she's also, like, very dismissive of Christine. She fires her. She gives her a talking to. And, you know, Christine, like, they make ornaments with the kids. And the mother's like, well, we're going to talk about this next time. So, you know, um, she's terrible. She's evil. She doesn't care about her kids. Oh, until she learns the spirit of Christmas because of the elf and so on. So by the end of the movie, we get a um, line. And again, now, there's a dad in this movie. And this isn't completely directly anti the way so many of these movies turn out to be this isn't 100 percent anti-woman working uh it's anti-parents spending more time working and not with their kids although you know what you can't afford dance lessons and basketball snacks if you you know aren't working and to provide for them again besides the point money doesn't seem to matter in these movies but my point being you have two parents who are equally guilty in the way they're carrying themselves as parents in this movie and yet all of the judgment seems to reside on the female character and she is the one who has this statement of we're going to change things and I'm not going to work as much. I mean, we're not going to work as much. So number eight is slapstick, which you usually get some really stupid slapstick scenes. Sometimes they can go on very long. Uh, just the little touches of it in this case, um, you know, as an elf, uh, Christine has a different um like styles are different in elf north pole land so uh the main thing she has to learn is you know santa says like okay we're gonna set you up in an apartment and you get this book where you can like anytime you don't know something where you know somebody says a idiom that doesn't translate to elfies you like ask the book it's like siri but as a journal um that's all well and good but the other thing you got to get used to girl is that women women wear crazy shoes on earth yo and Sure, that's true. Like, high heels are fucked up if you were a time traveler or um, maybe if you grew up, like, away from society completely and you entered society and were, you know, suddenly presented the image of a woman and said, okay, this is what you're going to do. And you, like, put on a dress and you're like, okay, that's, you know, I, I guess I get that. And then you put on high heels. Like, yeah, your instinct would be, what the fuck? Why do women do these things? But, like... How realistically, women out there, how often do you wear high heels? I wear high heels like once a year for a wedding. Most women don't wear them every day of their lives, especially when their job is going to be nanny to two young children. Like the corporate costume for that is not like stilettos, but she has to learn how to wear them. So occasionally some humor there, I guess. I guess it's humor. I don't know. Number nine uh, is our sage old person. We always have a character um, somewhere in the senior citizen range who qualifies as the sage older person who is going to dispense advice right when our younger lead really needs it most. Uh, in this case, um, this is, gets combined with number 10 
because our sage old person in the case of Help for the Holidays is none other than Santa Claus. And number 10, of course, the last thing we absolutely need in these movies is Santa Claus. So 9 and 10 go together here. Um, it happens sometimes, and I get really excited when it does. Uh, Santa in this movie is, um, like, he's okay. He's kind of blah. Like, he doesn't have a lot of, like, cheery spirit. He's a little thin for Santa Claus, quite frankly. Um, but I did learn, notice something that was kind of interesting about him. Oh, and he dispenses sage advice, of course, because he's the sage old person in Santa Claus. Um, I have a new theory about Santa Claus, which is that Santa Claus, because, like, I never thought of this before, but December 25th, in North America is usually a very cold day, right? So Santa, the image we have of Santa in his, you know, red velvet costume with a fur-trimmed collar and hat and boots makes perfect sense. That's what you'd probably wear if you were hanging out all night on December 25th in North America. But Santa Claus doesn't just deliver toys to North America. I mean presumably Santa Claus is still a pretty big thing in depending on culturally it's different everywhere but South America Australia Europe parts of Asia it's like in Australia it's summertime December 25th so does Santa Claus change into tank tops and hot pants to deliver Australia no I don't think he does I think Santa Claus is cold-blooded like a reptile and can adjust and maybe his suit itself adjusts so that's just a new magical theory um I'm proposing uh, not trademarking it, but I just think about that next time you think about Santa Claus. Uh, so in summation, help for the holidays, we are missing a few of the prime keys to make this into a classic of the cozy cardigan Christmas genre, but I didn't get to the bonuses. <clears throat> we get a couple of uh, bonus chances for bonus points, basically, in these movies, where if you do not meet the 10-point criteria, you can occasionally get it elsewhere. So one of the bonuses is, um, does the movie make use of a public domain holiday song? Whoa, boy, does it. Uh, Up on a housetop. March of the Sugar Pump Fairies, played over and over again, by the way. Uh, oh, Christmas Tree. They sing Jingle Bells. Yes, every they nail every Christmas song they could afford to not pay for. Uh, another bonus is product placement. I didn't catch any here, so again, a little disappointing. Um... The, my least favorite bonus is the cloying child. Typically, if these movies involve children, they're horrible. And guys, I'm going to say, the kids are actually the best part of this movie. It's really rare for me to say that. But the two young kids, uh, one of them is played by Mason Cook, who has gone on to, I think a lot of people would recognize him. I think he was on The Goldbergs and Speechless. I watched this and said, I know that kid, I know that kid. Oh, of course I do. He was Bart Sheffield in the If There Be Thorns uh, movie made for Lifetime. Uh, he's good. He's just a likable young actor. He doesn't push it, and the movie doesn't, like, try to make him cuter than he is. They, It seems to get that, like, this kid knows what he's doing, and they're going to let him do it. And the young female in the movie is um, Isabella Vidovac. Vidovic. Vidovac. She's got a fun name to say. Uh, she's also, she's good. She, again, isn't pushing anything. They start, uh, and it seems like they're going to make her kind of like the bratty kid that doesn't you know, buy into the nanny's sweetness. But, like, pretty quickly she's like, oh, no, all right, you're cool. So, shocking. Like, I guess it gets point for having kids, but I would give it, like, double points for, like, not having terrible kids. So, good on ya. No ice skating, uh, unfortunately. No Canadianisms that I caught, 
Uh, again, I think this was definitely a very LA-made uh, Hallmark film. It's more the newer ones where the Canadianism like really shouts at you. Um, and then the last bonus, of course, is does a character have a Christmassy name? And yeah, Christine. I guess her name is supposed to be Christine Blitzen. Um, or maybe I didn't. Maybe it was a joke that I didn't get. But anyway, like she's sent down to Earth as Christine Prancer because that makes sense, and nobody would ever suspect anything that way. Uh, so overall, do I recommend? And who do I recommend? Help for the holidays too. I don't know. It's there. It's not a. It's not a terribly offensive one, which makes it somehow less entertaining. Uh, it is. It's a kind of movie like if your kids were watching, like you don't have to worry about them getting terrible ideas about women. So that's good, I guess. Uh, but it's just not quite at the level of ridiculousness that I really want from these kinds of movies. So it's kind of a like, yeah, it's a pass for the most part. Um, and that is a wrap, <laughs> wrap, like a present wrap. Uh, my, it's early in the season, guys. My Christmas puns are going to get better, I promise. I'm going to try to make them better, I promise. So if stocking stuffer number one down, more of these will come. If you have any recommendations of any of these movies that you like really think merit a watch and viewing through the lens I have crafted for these movies, please share that. Uh, Twitter at Feminine Podcast or Facebook, the Feminine Critique Podcast. Um, we'll be back with more of these, so hang on, kids. It's, it's going to be bumpy. Oh, hello, creeps. You're just in time. My little Cryptmas party is about to begin. I just love this time of year. There's nothing quite like it. Yuletide carols, sleigh bells, Jack Frost roasting on an open fire. Where was I? Oh, yes, Cryptmas. How about we kick off the celebration with one of my favorite ghoul-tide ditties? Deck the halls with parts of Charlie, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Make the Yuletide gross and gnarly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Stocking stuffed with ears and fingers, fa la 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 With chunks of Barney, fa la 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 la. Bits of Bruce and hunks of Arnie, fa la 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 la. Hang the crypt with spleens and kidneys, fa la 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 la. Use Ramones and then use Sydney's, fa la 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 la. the tree and bring the ladder, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la, top it off with gills called bladder, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la, grinning skulls in festive poses, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la, strings of toes and nipped off noses, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Who needs mistletoe and holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la, when we 
could just dismember Wally. Fa la 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 la. Have the whole place decorated. Fa la 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 la. With the parts we've amputated. Fa la 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 la. Ha 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 